0: have your Bibles with you tonight, and you want to turn there. Uh, I'm going to be taking some Scripture out of the Gospel according to Luke in chapter 11. And uh, I guess if I did have to put a title to this sermon tonight, or what God's laid on my heart, it's Ask Big. Don't hold back. Whenever you ask something of God, don't be afraid to ask for what you need. Don't be afraid... To be a pursuer of God. Uh, you know that a lot of times in this world, we, I think we incorrectly assume that uh, you know we'll just sit and God will bring it all to us. And granted, that does happen, and I'm not saying that it doesn't, uh, but it's good for us to be seeking after Him, to be yearning toward Him. You know, when we come out to the house of the Lord, we ought to come out expecting a blessing of some kind, you know. I think about uh, Jacob when he was wrestling with the angel of the Lord there at Peniel, and. Uh He said, "I'm not turning loose until I get a blessing." Uh, When his hip was out of socket, now I can tell you, I've had some bones come out of joint, and it's painful. And said that he held on even then. And you know, it was after that point that he was no longer called Jacob, but his name became truly Israel from that day on. That he was a son of the Most High God. And when we come out to God's house, when we get down and pray, when we read His Word, whatever it is that we do, we should be asking God. I want uh, what you have for me. I want uh, the blessing that you've got laid out for me, Lord. Uh, I know that I need more of you now uh, than I did ten seconds ago, uh, uh, because the world looks around and they think uh, that they live of their own accord. Uh, but I tell you tonight, church, uh, that our God—all He would have to do uh, is just stop blessing us with life, uh, and we'd everyone die. Uh, we can't will our heart to beat not one more time. Uh, Uh, We can't provide for ourselves without God bringing the sun uh, and God sending the latter rain. uh, uh, Without His handfuls left for us on purpose, uh, we wouldn't make it. And you'll notice here in Luke 11, and this is just after that Jesus teaches His disciples how to pray, uh, in verse 5 is where we'll start reading, uh, that He begins to tell them, Now when you pray, uh, you'll just notice He taught them how to pray, uh, and now He's telling them, And when you ask, uh, don't hold back, uh, uh, but rather uh, uh, you ask big of your heavenly Father. And I can tell you tonight, church, a lot of times we get down and pray. If we're not careful, we pray for symptoms rather than the problem causing the symptoms. Uh, uh, That we pray for things uh, uh, to just improve uh, rather than uh, to be completely healed. uh, uh, Rather than uh, we look around and we say, oh, uh, but that's been a problem from birth. And yet I've seen Jesus deal with people who had infirmities from the day they were born. 38 years a man uh, was sick. uh, And Jesus said he was sick not because he or his parents sinned, uh, but that it might be for the glory of the Most High God uh, uh, that through your suffering, uh, God might get glory uh, out of your life. uh, But it's okay to ask For healing. It's okay to seek uh, a a communion with the Lord. Uh, And we'll start reading at verse 5 here in Luke chapter 11. It says, "...And he said unto unto them, Which of you shall have a friend? And shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him." And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. Now the door is shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give you thee. I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth." Now to unpack that a little bit, uh, you may say it sounds to me like he's got kindly a lazy friend. Uh, He knocked on the door and he said, The kids are already in bed. I'm already in bed. I don't want to come and unlock the door. Uh, And I misunderstood this for a long time. Uh, The doors of that day and the locks on them, they were complicated. Uh, They wasn't just twisting a knob or doing anything like that. Uh, That a lot of them would barricade their door with furniture and things like that Uh, so that somebody couldn't come in on them in the middle of the night. Uh, And so it wasn't a small task to do so. Uh, And Jesus is saying, now look at this. Uh, If you keep asking, seeking, and knocking in this situation... uh, your friend will finally get up and give you if for no other reason than to just get you to leave him alone. And now, some may say, and I had friends like that when I was younger, you know, that they would weary me down to get me to give them what that they wanted. Uh, And you may say, does that mean, Brother Jeremiah, that you can weary the Lord? Uh, No, but what it does mean is he's better than that. uh, And if continually asking uh, and continually seeking works in that situation, imagine a friend we have in Jesus uh, and coming to him and asking uh, uh, and continuing to ask uh, and being patient with him uh, and waiting upon the Lord because a lot of times we pray once uh, and we think well that didn't make it any higher than the rafters uh, uh, so I guess that means no Uh, uh, but a lot of times when we pray we're not tuned in to the Holy Spirit uh, when he's saying I've got help on the way Uh, just a minute honey Uh, I'm going to feed you just give me a little bit of time but I assure you and and I've heard my wife do this with my kids when they were little and they were hungry uh, and they were impatient she'd look at them and say you ain't going to start the death in the next five seconds just wait and sometimes when we pray God's saying look I've got your help on the way but you need to be patient and wait upon the Lord And so Jesus now, He's taught them how to pray in the beginning part of this. They asked Him, Lord, teach us how to pray. He gives them the Lord's prayer. And then He begins to tell them, And boys, when you ask, don't hold back. But ask big. Because God has plenty. And God has plenty for each and every one of you. That if God answers my prayer, it doesn't come at any of your expense." It isn't as though if God answers my prayer for healing, that Brother Scott doesn't get his healing. Or that if I seek him and seek a blessing of the Lord, that Brother Dennis has to do without until God gets more blessing in. What it does mean is he can bless Brother Scott and me and Brother Dennis and all this church house. And all we have but to do is to ask. And I've, I've had lots of instances with my own children when that I would be wanting them to ask me and trying to teach them to ask. And they would suffer and do without. And after a little bit, I'd come to them and say, you know, if you'd have just asked for my help... You wouldn't have had to suffer so long about that. And once again it was like a Lord just knocked right on the top of my head and said, how about that? Yeah, that's quite a thing, ain't it, Jeremiah? And I had to realize that a lot of times in life we look around and the devil puts his dukes up and we throw our dukes up rather than hitting our knees. That we get in a knife fight with him when we're supposed to tell him get behind me. You're not even a blip on the radar. You march your armies in and my Lord raises a standard against you and you can't win you can't prevail against me because I'm founded upon the rock and the Lord said he'll be His church upon the rock and the gates of hell can't prevail against it and yet we ask too little we look around and we see the problems of this world and we say it's too big. And yet are they bigger than our God? And before we get too harsh on ourselves, don't think this is unique to us. Because if I can take your mind back into the Old Testament and you think about how that the children of Israel, they just walked through the Red Sea on dry ground just a few weeks before. They stand at the border of Canaan. and They send 12 men in and 12 men spy out the land. They come back. I can say it truly is a land flowing with milk and honey but they've got big walled cities oh, yeah. they're the children of Anak they're giants they are be in this land chariots of iron swords of iron we're like grasshoppers before them and our children will be their prey and it says for 40 days that 10 men that went into that land and saw that wearied the people And it came to a head at a point when they looked around and said, let's kill Moses and Aaron and go back to Egypt. And yet there were two men that were standing there and seeing the same thing that those other ten did. They seen the giants. They looked and said, yeah, they're right. There's giants. But our God's bigger. Said, yeah, they have walled cities, but God will knock them down they have chariots of iron but our God has chariots of fire they have strong soldiers, our God has an army of angels and he is well able to give us this land let us go in and possess it and you'll notice those two men they got to go in when the other ten died in the wilderness and it was because that they knew look, I know who I'm talking to and it's the sovereign God of heaven and earth and the next Time that you get down and pray, you better know who you're talking to uh, that it's a sovereign God of heaven and earth, uh, that the very wind and the waves obey His word, uh, that nature itself changes, uh, that the things of this world uh, have to obey His word. And yet, we're afraid to ask. And you know, I've seen there's this spectrum of asking. For the Lord, and everybody's big on spectrums now, so I figured I'd join the crowd. You know, they have the autism spectrum and all that. Well, you think about this spectrum of asking of God, of your wants and your needs. And it doesn't just say, not just your needs, but your wants too, if they dwell within the will of God. That says sometimes what you've asked, you've asked amiss. You do sometimes ask amiss, but that's okay because God will sort it out. Oh, yes. It's not for you to sort out. You might get down on your knees, and I always think of this every time I say this. uh, In in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey, every time he'd come into Mr. Gower's drugstore, he'd say, I wish I had a million dollars, and light that lighter hot dog. uh, And I think about that, you know, and if if you got down and prayed and said, Lord, uh, I'd like to have a million dollars, that God may say, well, that seems all right. I'll give that to you. But he might also look at you and say, look, that's like me letting you run with a pair of scissors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. it wouldn't hurt me but it hurts you yeah. be dangerous cause you to fall and get hurt and get away from me and start trusting in it more than you do me now it's okay to ask the problem is is when you begin to covet oh, yeah. because you may pray and say god if it lies within your will but if it don't that's fine too You see, because a lot of times where we really find God in our lives is not in times of plenty but it's at times of scarcity when we don't have a whole lot or we're not able of ourselves to do things and God sends a helper. God blesses us. He sends exactly what we need exactly when we need it. And I can tell you the world would look around and say, oh, that's coincidence. And I've disagreed with many and said, no, that's providence of the Most High God. I have prayed for this. He's answered my prayer. And I'm going to make sure that the world knows that it's all because of Him. Amen. Because if we don't ask, then a lot of times what happens is when we're asking, you'll notice if you've ever been around somebody in order for them to ask you something, they've got to communicate, don't they? Oh yes. And the only way to really communicate well with God is on your knees in prayer. Yeah. Oh. That's not to say that you always have to be on your knees when you pray. But I think of it kind of like this, and I had somebody ask me this a while back. I said, "Why do we close our eyes when we pray?" And it's not as though not closing your eyes is a sin. My brothers and I'd always tell on each other for not having their eyes shut whenever Dad asked the blessing over the food. I'll give you a minute to think about that one. <laughs> and you see, the thing is, is what I come to the realization years ago, actually, before I was a Christian. Because I, I, I seen somebody praying and I was like, why do they have their eyes shut? And it's because they want to block out the world. Oh, yeah. We shut our eyes so we say, God, I ain't paying attention to anybody but you. Yeah. you. And then we, we ring him up and we don't even have to remember his number. You know, although in the day of the cell phones, you don't have to remember phone numbers. But we, we ring him up and we ask. And He may look at us and say, that's not what's best for you. Or He may say, you know, I've got something better than that coming. Just be patient. I got something better than what you even can imagine because uh, if you think about all the way back in the book of 2 Kings uh, when Elisha was just beginning his ministry, he comes to a widow. Uh, She runs up to him and tells him I'm a widow. Uh, My sons are getting ready to be sold into slavery uh, and I have no way of paying Uh, uh, the debt that my husband owed when he died and he was a man of God and he trusted God. Uh, And Elisha said, what do you have in the house? She said, I've got a pot of oil. That's about it. And he said, okay, here's what you do. He said, you go and borrow vessels from your neighbors. Now, she might have looked around and said, buddy, borrowing's what got me in this mess. But he said, when you go and have your sons help you do it, he said, borrow not a few. Yeah. You know what that means? Get as much as you can. And he said, "And then when you get back in the house with all those vessels, he said, "You shut the door on the world outside and on the debtors and on the devil and all of his lies and trying to get you to not believe in faith." And He said, "You start filling those vessels from your pot of oil." And said she began to pour. And one filled up. And she looked and maybe she was thinking, I don't know, I ain't enough in this pot to fill those vessels up. that said she poured out, filled one up, and still there was some in there. I don't believe it was sloshing out the top. But every time she looked, it was as though the level didn't go down. And said she kept pouring and pouring and pouring Till she looked at her son and said, bring me another vessel. And he said, that's it. That's all that we've got. Looked around and everything there was filled up. I believe if it was done in today's standards, they'd have been cool whip bowls sitting there with oil in them and old milk jugs and pop bottles and whatever you... Walmart bags maybe, if they'd hold it and filled those things up. And then she comes back to Elisha and tells her, and he says, now go and sell uh, all of that oil uh, and pay your husband's debt and then live off of the rest. He said, not only has God give you your sons back, but He's given you substance for the future. And she just asked for a little bit, but God will give us so much more. We need to know that our Father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He has this world in the palm of His hand. You think you've got a problem? Turn it over to God. Because a lot of times what we do is we look around and we say, Well, that's in that whole spectrum of asking. We say, Oh, it's too little. <clears throat> really? You know, my kids have come to me with problems that I know ain't a big deal. Tears running down their face. There's one time Gracie was watching a little movie, and it was a, a corny little Hallmark movie about some puppies. I think they were Santa Claus's dogs or something like that. And in it, It looked like one of them got killed. Man, she's a kid that gets invested in whatever she's watching, and I was just sitting there the whole time, knowing this ain't that kind of movie. Okay, they ain't they ain't kill that little dog. It's gonna be fine. And I wasn't even paying attention to her until I heard. (coughs) I looked over at her. What in the world? Tears were pouring down her face. My heart broke for her. I teared up too. I teared up thinking about it. I got her over there next to me and I said, Honey, it's going to be all right. I told her, I said, I know that dog's okay. It's going to be all right, honey. You see, when we come to God and we think our problem's too small, I could have looked at her and said, Quit crying. That ain't no big deal. It's just a stupid movie. And you see, I'm imperfect as a father. But God isn't. You think your problem's too small? You think He doesn't concern Himself with what you've got going on? Uh, Whether it be a hangnail or a brain tumor, uh, God uh, is still in control uh, and He can help you. Uh, Now it may be uh, that He'll look at you and say, the best way is through and I'll be right here with you the whole time. Because you see, I've taken my children when they were little bitty They'd have to get blood work. And i tell you, now that's a bitter pill to swallow when you've got to help hold them down so somebody can hurt them when what you want to do is fight them off. And you help hold them down knowing that it's for their own good. And I believe God has to do that for us sometimes through our suffering. Through our difficulty, though, it brings us closer to Him. Uh, And if it doesn't, then something's wrong. Uh, uh, But we need to know uh, that when we ask Him, whether it's big, whether it's small, uh, that it's all in the palm of His hand, uh, and we need not to carry this burden on our own. Because He cares about us. Because you'll notice in, in the remaining Scripture here, look at what Jesus says to Him. He says in verse 9, And I say unto you, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be open to you. Not might be. Not ought. Oh, yeah. Shall be Brothers and sisters, if you're fine with writing in your Bible, write the word promise next to that. (laughs) Write down that God made a promise through His Son Jesus Christ uh, that if you ask, uh, you seek, uh, and you knock, uh, that you're going to get those things. Uh, Now, it may not be uh, just exactly what you imagined, uh, but I guarantee you it will be better than what you ever could have imagined. I can't tell you how many times though that people have shortchanged themselves because in that same book of 2 Kings where that widow, uh, she borrowed not a few vessels and filled them up uh, and it exceeded her expectations and then on down at the end of Elisha's life, Joash comes to him. Uh, He's looking for deliverance from the Syrians. Uh, And Elisha now, he's on his deathbed. Uh, He tells him, take the bow and arrow, bring it here. Uh, He puts his hands over the king's. Uh, And he says, now open that window uh, and fire toward the east and he does and he says behold the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and he said take the other arrows and strike the ground and Joash does and he hits it three times and said Elisha was wroth with him angry and upset with him he said you should have asked for more he said you should have struck the ground five or six times, and you would have consumed the Syrians uh, until that they would have never been a blip on your radar anymore. Uh, He said, but because you struck three times, uh, you've only asked to be able to run them before you three times. And a lot of times what we do, uh, you see, when somebody tells you to do something, uh, and this is our tendency, when we don't understand or we're not fully bought in, uh, we'll halfway do it. Oh, yeah. You know, my dad told me something years ago, it was when I forgot something that He laid out for me to do. He looked at me and He said, You know, I've never seen you forget to do something that you really want to do. And He was right. Oh, yeah. Another instance, He said, If something's important to you, He said, You'll see to it. You'll take care of it. Oh, yeah. And you see, your prayer life, you think about how often you pray versus how often you come in here and listen to me. It may be Once a week, maybe even twice a week. But you think, and I can tell you, I record my sermons, I can tell you on average anywhere from about 35 to 45 minutes. And if all your communication with God is limited to that, you are shortchanging yourself. If your time isn't spent in this Word on the homework, uh, you've been shortchanged. If your time isn't spent with a good and established prayer life with the Lord, uh, you have sold yourself short uh, in your relationship to the Most High God. Uh, And let me tell you this though, uh, if I've told you that and it steps on your toes, uh, you can start all new tomorrow. You can decide to do better and to be better. Because good preaching, really good preaching, what it ought to do is make you decide that you're going to do something and you're going to do better and you're going to be better. It shouldn't just make you feel good about yourself. It should make you want to be better. And I've gone back and listened to some of my recorded sermons and stepped on my own toes. So don't feel bad if I ever step on yours. Oh yeah, And you see, that when Jesus said this and He told him, you know, you, you ask, you seek, you knock, that you'll notice in verse 10 it says, For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Shall be, not ought to be, not could be, that when Jesus said it, you could take it as a guarantee. And time fails me to take you through all the instances of this, but the thing that probably quickest comes to mind is the woman at the well. Oh yeah. yeah. When Jesus encounters her, and my mind, you know, I have a pretty vivid imagination, and my mind creates a scenario where that it's in the middle of the day, nobody else is around, that woman comes up to the well and sees Jesus sitting there, recognizes Him as a Jew, and she's there to avoid everybody. And maybe she's seen Him in the distance and said, well, shoot, there's somebody, well... He probably won't bother me. And she comes on to the well and she's there just kind of minding her own business. And I'm sure you've done that before where you come into a room, some place that's not yours or a communal area and there's somebody there and maybe you give them a head nod or double finger guns or whatever it is that you do. You acknowledge their presence and then you go on doing what you're doing. And that's what she was doing. She was getting her water. And then Jesus says, give me a drink of water. Maybe she wasn't even sure he said anything. She looked around and said, wait a minute, you're asking me for a drink? And through the discourse between the two of them, she asked him for something. When he tells her, look, if you knew who it was that's talking to you, you would ask me for a drink of water because the water that I can get you will be like a river of water flowing from the inside of you and you'll never thirst again. And she says, give me this water. And you know what happens? Uh, I'll summarize it for you. She got it, uh, but she didn't sit on it and keep it secret. Says she went back to town uh, and she told him, come see a man. Uh, Come out and see what I found uh, at Jacob's well. uh, A guy who can quench your thirst uh, to where that it's never to be uh, unquenched again. And you think that you might ask for too much? (laughs) Ask big. Yes. Leave it in God's hands. Now, like I said, he may look at you and say, no, that's not what's best for you. He knows better. Right. But I can tell you this, he may say, yes, I believe I can trust you with that. Oh yes. I believe that that won't take you away from me. Because Jesus said, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? Yes. And you see, we can ask Sometimes we ask a this, and that's okay. We're children. Yeah. okay? We're toddlers. I joked years ago, Faith came up to me one time. She might have been six years old. There had been a birthday recently. I think it was Grace's birthday recently, and we had chocolate cake left over from Grace's birthday. And I was taking care of the kids that morning, and she come to me and... She asked, Daddy, can I have a piece of that chocolate cake for breakfast? And if you know my daughter Faith, you'll know her and chocolate, uh, that love affair has been going on for years. And I looked at her and I said, well, no, honey. Well, Faith was my why not kid. And she looked at me, you know, Elijah Grace I said, well, all right. She wanted me to explain to her why she couldn't have chocolate cake for breakfast. And I told her, I said, honey, I said, just this one instance, probably not that big of a deal. I said, but it really isn't what's best for you. I said, it's loaded with a bunch of calories and things like that that'll be burned off quickly and it just won't stay with you and all that. And then while I was telling her that, I looked up on top of the refrigerator and seen the Cocoa Puff cereal that I'd given them most mornings. (laughs) And I thought, not too dissimilar to eating a slab of chocolate cake. But I told her, I said, but the thing is, honey, is I said, I don't want you eating that cake for breakfast. I said, because then if I do that, it's going to establish a precedent. And I said, if nothing else, I'm here to teach you how to restrain yourself. See, parents, a lot of times, what their job to do is, is to teach their children (laughs) discipline. Not just to discipline them, but to teach them so that when nobody else is around, they'll discipline themselves. That cake was temptation to her. And at one point I told her, I said, you're stronger than that cake is and it's temptation over you. And of course, I've had those words echoed back to me a time or two over the years too with gleefully by my beloved daughter. But you see, God, a lot of times, He'll say that's not what's best for you right now. Now, I let her have chocolate cake later that day after she'd eat something of more substance. And God, a lot of times, He'll say that's not what's best for you right now. Right. And I'm going to bless you with something even better. And you may look at the time and say, but I want this right now. And God's saying, but that's not what's ultimately going to be the best for you. And we've got to trust Him. When we ask and He says no, trust Him. When we ask and He says wait a while, trust Him. When He looks at you and says, I'm going to bless you, stand on it. You see, He told the same thing to Abraham. Met him. Told him, he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. And Abraham looked around and said, Lord, I'm old. Yeah. And my wife's old. And we don't have any children of our own. How is this going to be? And God told him, trust me, I'm going to make it happen. Oh, yes. Now, did he mess up? Yes, he did. Oh, yeah. He messed up along yeah. the way. At no point is Abraham depicted as perfect. But he trusted in the Lord. And the how that I know that he did is because a few years after that, God said, take Isaac uh, up on the mountain uh, and sacrifice him to me. And Abraham didn't say, you want me to what? He took him and he was going to kill him. And some may say, well, that's awful. Well, Abraham took him up on that hill There are many theologians, and I'm inclined to believe it too, that that same hill was Calvary. It would later be known as Calvary or Golgotha, the place of the skull. Took Isaac up there. And Isaac was anywhere from 16 to about 30 years old by my estimation. He wasn't a little boy. He chose to follow Abraham up on that hill to do the will of his father, just like Jesus. When he went up the hill, he wanted to do the will of his father. Uh, And Abraham, what he knew when he left there and made that three-day journey, that boy was dead. Uh, But he also knew that if he burned him to ash, that God could raise him back up. Now, that would be a big ask, wouldn't it? Yes. That would be a big thing to ask of God, but I tell you that God can do it. I had somebody a while back after a funeral ask me and say, uh, Brother Jeremiah, uh, do you think uh, that when a person gets cremated, uh, uh, that then that precludes the possibility of them being resurrected at the last? And I stood there for a second waiting to see if they were going to crack a smile. I thought, are you joking with me? And they didn't. This was a legitimate question that they wanted to know the answer. And I told them, I said, you think God can't do that? And she said, what? And I said, you think God can't gather up every atom that made you you oh, yeah. Yeah. and put it back together? Right. I can tell you now, if I, if I have a thousand-piece puzzle, a clear blue sky, it's going to take me a while to put it together if ever, but God knows every atom that belongs yeah, to every anyway. single one of you. Of course, Jesus could have said that when he was talking to them, but they didn't know what an atom was. But he said, The very hairs of your head are numbered. And God knows the number. You may not see him fall, but God does. That's how intimately that God knows you. And you think somebody that knows you that intimately doesn't want good things for you? Ask big. Don't be afraid to ask God for what you will. Jesus just taught him how to pray. And then, and you look at how many verses it took him to tell them that. Uh, I believe the grand total is three. Three verses. Verse 2, 3, and 4. But then look how long he goes on after that. Oh, yeah. Telling them, don't be afraid to ask and ask big. Right. That should tell you how important that he deemed that. Yes. Yeah. Because one of the things that said during that prayer, verse 3, Give us day by day our daily bread. You know, I'm a firm believer in praying first thing in the morning. I want to get my bread first thing in the day. I don't know what today holds, uh, but I know I want to have subsistence to face it. uh, uh, To face the temptation that will come my way. To face the battles uh, uh, that Satan might try to afflict me with. uh, To face whatever this world has to throw in my way. I want that daily bread first thing in the morning. And I can tell you it's a good idea to get up and get good and woke up and then have your prayer time. Don't get so comfortable that you fall asleep, yeah. but don't be so uncomfortable that you can't pray. Right. And I say this, and some people say you've got to kneel down. Lay down if it hurts to kneel, sit in a chair. Keep your eyes open if you need to, but keep your mind's eye, keep your spirit focused on the one that hears the prayer and answers the prayer. Remember when you talk to God that you're talking to the one who created this world out of nothing. You go all the way back to Genesis chapter one. And you know what it says? It says, In the beginning, God. Yes. You know what that means for there was ever anything? God was already there. Then it says the world was void, without form, just this great nothingness. Yeah. And then it says the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the deep. And He said, let there be light. And there was no hesitation. There was light. And you see, in those verses, you have Father... Son and Holy Spirit. Represented right there in the beginning. God, God the Father. Says the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the deep. The Holy Spirit. And He said, let there be light. That was the Word. The Word made flesh was Jesus Christ. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all represented right there at the very beginning. And when things began to be made, it was God that made them. And you think your problem's too hard? You think that you can ask for more than what God can give? Solomon, he understood that. God explained it to him. He, God told Solomon, he said, ask whatever you will. You imagine if a billionaire walked up to you and said, here, here's a blank check. It's yours. You can, you can count on it. You know he's got the money. You imagine what a waste it would be to go out and write it for two dollars. I mean, you could. Well within your right, wouldn't you? Yeah. You could write it out for whatever you wanted to. He might have looked at you and said, you could have asked for a lot more than that because in handing you that blank check, he basically gave you the keys to the kingdom for every dime that could be bought or got from that account. And you see, God did that with Solomon when he said, ask whatever you will. Right. What blessing would you like, Solomon. And Solomon could ask for long life, could ask for peace and prosperity and money. The desires of the fleshly heart. But it says he looked around and he said, and I've always found this interesting. You see, the king that they got before his father David was Saul. And the nation of Israel said, we want to be like everybody else. We want to have a king. Before that, they had judges. And judges went before them to God and led them. But God was their king. And then Solomon says, Lord, I don't know how to go out to battle. I'm not like my father David. I don't know how to fight these fights. I'm not a mighty man of valor. I've killed no giants. I've not done the things that he's done. I don't know how to go out or come in. And he said, but I want a wise and discerning heart. That I might be able to judge you great people. Yes. He was made a king and asked God to be a judge, a wise and discerning man. And God said, you've asked for the right thing. And God said, and because you asked for that, I'm going to throw in long life and riches, the likes of which the world has never seen. During Solomon's reign was peace and prosperity throughout all of Israel because God saw fit to bless him because he asked for the right thing. I can tell you this, we may not be as wise and discerning as Solomon, but I've asked for wisdom. As a parent, I asked God for wisdom because I knew I was going to need it. And I believe he's blessed me with it because there are times I'll look around and say, I don't even know how I come up with that, but I'm glad the Lord used me for it. You know, because I'll be perfectly honest with you. I've been labeled as a smart person by a few people, but I've done some profoundly stupid things. I've said and done foolish things in my life, much to my shame. But I can tell you this, God is able to give wisdom to even the most foolish amongst us. He's able to give strength even to the weakest among us. He's able to renew the things that the world has taken He's able to provide for us when we can't even see a way. And you know that a lot of times when we get down and we pray, we need to be asking like we're talking to a loving Father. Not like we're asking for a loan at the bank, but like we're talking to our loving Father to whom He's ready, willing, and able to give to the kingdom. And I'll tell you this tonight, church. Ask big. You think about the very first thing you ever asked in earnest of the Lord. As a Christian, I asked for salvation, and I got it. He blessed me with it. And what good would any of that other stuff do me if I lost my soul in the process? So ask and let God sort out whether or not it will be good enough for you. I trust this message has blessed you. If you need the altar tonight... If you need to come pray, won't you come? If you have any need tonight, don't hesitate. Don't hold back on the Lord.